Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Good luck with the most beautiful game. Do us proud. Red alert! They're up and running again. So smooth, so sweet, splendid, succinct, just glorious execution. Guys, all I'm looking for is 60% effort, 4,000% of the time. How sharp was that? Sharp of mind and body. And that's why you see those beautiful tears. Look at his movements. The most dangerous man on the planet, nobody picks him up. Wide-eyed, thrilled, bemused. How on earth did that happen? Hello, everybody, and welcome to Wonder Goal, the soccer betting podcast from the Action Network. I am your host today, BJ Cunningham. I'll be joined by my co-host and friend, Anthony DeMundo, in just a second. Michael Leboff is out making sure the Islanders make the playoffs. He'll be back in the chair on Sunday night as the host. But first... I need to tell you that Wonder Goal is presented by Bet365, the world's favorite sportsbook brand. Sign up with promo code ACTION to get Bet365's exclusive sign-up offer in New Jersey, Colorado, and Ohio. Bet $1 any game, get 200 in bonus bets. All right, we have a full Premier League slate, and we'll also take a little jaunt around Europe as well. We always try to figure out what match we want to talk about first. Sometimes we go chronological order. We like to maybe talk about one of the bigger matches throughout the weekend. Anthony chose this one first. I wouldn't have chosen it. I don't think it's really the biggest match of the weekend. West Ham hosting Arsenal in a London derby. West Ham is a 5-1 home underdog. Arsenal sitting at a minus 182 road favorite with the draw sitting at plus 320. Anthony's going to about to tell you how Arsenal's not fine and how City's in the driver's seat and how City is going to win the title, which is just not true right now. Arsenal had one bad defensive performance, and now we are going to crucify them and say that so many things are wrong with Mikel Arteta's side. Yes, they did have a bad performance in the second half against Liverpool, but the match against City is still coming up, and that is huge. And, you know, we'll we'll go through the schedule at a later time to, to figure out who's in, in more danger. But in general, with this match, listen, if I was a neutral, I would tell you the West Ham plus one is uh, has a ton of value right now because I only project Arsenal minus 102. But I'm not going to do that because... I don't bet against my gunners when they're in the title race, but I'll kick it over to you, Anthony. You can go on your little diatribe about how Arsenal's broken, the season's over, they're not going to win the title, and that West Ham's going to win this match. Yeah, I'm not going to be that extreme, <laughs> but but 
Arsenal defensive regression. I've talked about and been banging the drum forever and said they're not as good as their numbers suggest. They had one of the worst defensive performances you'll see all season in the draw with Liverpool. Credit to Aaron Ramsdale for keeping the minute. Credit to Mo Salah for being shit uh, and missing his penalty. But, I mean, the same problems exist here for Arsenal. Now, Arteta said on April 7th that maybe Saliba would be able to train. I have not seen any report that suggests he's is training at the moment. And so I'm going to assume that he remains out for this match. And even if he does, maybe limited. But it makes a huge difference for Arsenal. Uh, Saliba's ball winning, his ability to win ground duels was elite in the first half of the season. Yes, he gave away some dumb penalties and had a couple mistakes. But all in all, was a vital part of their transition defense. And he just hasn't been there. And so they've not had him or Tomiyasu. So, you know, white holding is not nearly as good. I think of a pairing in terms of playing out from the back under pressure and whatnot. Arsenal dominated this match at home, but think about how much the market has changed on these two teams. They played right after the world cup break. Arsenal was minus 180 at home. I thought that was relatively close to a fair line. I think I ended up betting the under and lost, but I don't really think all that much has changed in my perception of either team. I mean, West Ham has had their fair share of struggles, but they continue to be relatively good defensively. Danny Ings, you know, betting in a little bit has helped solve a little bit of the attacking issue. Like they're still not ever going to be a good attacking team with this group of of forwards, but they've at least been competent uh, in the last few matches, scoring, uh, you know, one or two goals, a 16 shots last week. So like it hasn't all been terrible. I think that the market is just way too drunk on Arsenal here because it, it was minus 150 earlier in the week. And I was like, ah, I don't really want to take the three quarters. I projected around minus 140 for Arsenal. So I was like, okay, I can probably pass here. But now that it's gotten steamed all the way up to minus 180 and I can get the full goal at home on West Ham, I just don't think Arsenal's a goal better on the road than an average mid-table Premier League team. And so I'm going to bet the hammers. I think... We may be, and this is just based on where I've looked across other markets and other leagues this weekend, based on how I project lines and based on where I'm seeing some of these numbers, we may finally be getting for the first time of the season, the must win tax, because that is, that is seemingly evident to me, uh, given, you know, and we're going to talk about this league later, but given where I see Bayern and Dortmund lined uh, and given, you know, city, I mean, city's inflated almost all the time, but I think we may finally be seeing that. And uh, West Ham's stout defense sh- uh, should be enough here to make this a very competitive match. And so I'll take the goal. I do have to mention to people, though, that Arsenal does have the rest advantage. West Ham's traveling to Belgium for a conference league tie with Ghent on Thursday. So if you're looking for any positives out there for Arsenal, that's that. But let's move on to two of the hottest teams in the Premier League right now, who's going to open up on Sunday at 7.30 a.m. Eastern time. Aston Villa hosting Newcastle. Aston Villa's plus 260. Newcastle's a plus 105 road favorite with the draw sitting at plus 240. This is, I think, a fascinating match from a lot of different angles because of how hot Aston Villa has run recently, how Newcastle's still now seemingly in the driver's seat for the third place spot. But I think the 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 price on Newcastle still has gotten a little bit short. I don't know if we're at a, per, a point now where it's hammer time against Aston Villa. How do you see this one going, Anthony? Well, this is this is crucial for my potential <laughs> best non-Big Six team bet. If we win this, we're within striking distance of 
Newcastle and have a real chance to chase them down uh, in the second, you know, the last six matches of the season. These are two teams that I am actually both, you know, lower on than the current market rating. I think Newcastle as a road favorite still has similar issues in struggling to break teams down. We've seen Villa's defense take steps forward in the last few weeks under Unai Emery, which we probably should have seen coming given his track record uh, after they were just diabolical defensively in the early parts of his tenure. Newcastle's the clearly better team. The thing about it for me is, and, and this is kind of how the market has progressed, right? So Newcastle has happened to play West Ham, Brentford, and Villa all on the road in the last two weeks, pretty much. I, you know, I think Villa's still, you know, right around the the second. They're, they're worse than Brentford, and right, like they're all relatively comparable teams. And so once Newcastle got to minus one ten against Brentford, I took the bees plus a half. I would need something like that to bet Villa here. And I don't think I'm going to get it. Uh, and I still have Villa rated. So I, I'm going to probably end up passing here. I could see a case for the under, but it is juiced up to minus 125, mm. 130 on two and a half. And uh, my number comes in right around 2.4. So I'm mm. not really inclined to bet this. I actually do like the over here, Anthony, and I'm going to tell you why. And I think it's something that we've seen with Aston Villa from time to time. I mean, listen, the the schedule has kind of favored them out, right? They went through that really, really bad stretch where they got pummeled by City. They, you know, ended up on the final scoreline. You know, they hung with Arsenal. But, you know, let's be honest, Arsenal dominated that match. And then even the match against Chelsea, uh, which I think is very important in this. You know, obviously, they won that match 2-0. But they really, really struggled from playing out of the back. And as we talked about many times, Unai Emery is insistent on them playing out from the back. In that match against Chelsea... Chelsea had a passes per defensive action of 4.6, a 30% counter-press success rate, and for seven high turnovers. Again, both Arsenal and City had a passes per defensive action below eight and both forced four high turnovers each in that match as well. The reason that's important is because Newcastle is a top five pressing team in the Premier League. They're fourth in passes per defensive action, fifth in high turnovers. And, you know, the previous match, although it was under a different manager, the best manager in the world, Steven Gerrard, Newcastle gave Aston Villa so many problems uh, with their pressing as well and created close, played a little over three and a half expected goals and won the match for nothing. And just, you know, and obviously Aston Villa is running really hot. Well, Newcastle is absolutely on fire offensively. Since the 2-0 loss to City, they've ripped off five straight wins, created 12.5 expected goals in those matches. And the reason for that is because Alexander Ishak is playing regularly in the starting 11, and he's just an incredible striker. He's got eight goals in nine matches already. And, and I mean, listen, the Aston Villa defense, they've run incredibly hot. And in Unai Emery's, you know, seven matches when they've had to face the top half of the table, they've allowed 13.1 expected goals. They've had good defensive performances against both Nottingham Forest and against Leicester. But this is a completely different animal. So I actually project 2.7 goals. So I like two over two and a half if you can get it at plus money or better. All right, let's move on to a match involving one of the relegation teams, Everton, hosting Fulham at Goodison Park. Everton is a plus 105 home favorite. Newcastle sitting a plus 280 with the draw sitting a plus 240. I, I really like Everton in the spot. I think it was, it was it's a good spot for Everton, but the price just is not there for me. There's just no way I can lay plus 105 on the road with Everton. But I think I, there's another way to play them. But uh, I'll kick it over to you first. Uh, how do you see this match playing out? Yeah, it'd be Everton or nothing for me as well. I like the angle. You you, know, you're, you have the two team total. I like that angle more so probably than the money line as well. We've talked about Everton being more of an up-tempo, up 
up event, higher event yep. team under Sean Dyche. And that, I mean, absolutely held true last week at Man United. They played a very high line. Yep. It was a very bold uh, attempt. The press was a little off and thus United created well over two and a half expected goals. Should have won that match going away, but that wasn't to discredit Everton who showed some real attacking life themselves, even though they didn't quite end up scoring in the match. They were very competitive offensively uh, and created you know, over one expected goal and, and had real opportunities to get back into that match. 15 total shots. Like it was a very different match than the one I'm expecting here because I do think Fulham will be a much more conservative Fulham than we're used to seeing. And Everton in that role, we haven't seen it a ton. Like we, there just aren't a ton of home favorite spots for Everton where they're expected to have more of the ball and break down an opponent. And it is a different kind of challenge. I mean, if you look at the recent games, uh, Nottingham Forest is probably the best example of a situation where they were on the ball more than their opponent and and kind of in that driver's seat kind of role. And they, you know, were fine going forward. So, you know, maybe it's not the end of the world, but Fulham without Mitrovic, another pretty shaky attacking performance, failed to score. We're seeing the attacking regression for Fulham in the last few weeks here uh, where they've they've scored. They failed to produce at least one expected goal in five of their last six matches. So you're seeing that. You're seeing the, the losses starting to pile up, but like like you said, the number's not quite there for me on Everton to bet it. Yeah, and so yeah, you mentioned I like Everton's team total over one and a half at plus one ten, and the reason being is because I was showing value on the over before accounting for the loss of Mitrovic, which, as I mentioned on the last podcast, is very drastic. You know, they're at about a point eight xG per ninety without him. With him, they're at one point three five. I think it's important to note though for Everton that. Since John Deitch has taken over, they've played a difficult schedule. Six of the 10 matches under his uh, managerial ship have been against big six opponents. The other four came against Villa, Leeds, Nottingham Forest, and Brentford. And in those four matches, they did create 5.7 expected goals. So like you mentioned, you've already mentioned, it's much more high event. It's much more pressing high, trying to win the ball higher up the pitch, disrupting build-up play. Under Lampard, Everton's pass for defensive action was 15.3. Under Sean Deitch, it's 12.2. So you can already see them trying to win the ball higher and getting going forward in transition. And that's probably where this match is going to be played quite a bit. But again, I can't get on uh, both sides over two and a half without Mitrovic for Fulham. And this is just honestly a bet against the Fulham defense that just continues to completely crater and fall off a cliff. Last four matches against Brentford, Arsenal, Bournemouth, and West Ham, they've conceded 9.2 expected goals and six big scoring chances. So I like Everton's team total over one and a half here. I project Everton at 1.72 goals, so showing some decent value there. So Everton team total over one and a half at plus 110 for me. Yeah, if they got to plus 130, 25, I would bet them. But yep. I, I uh, would not I agree. Plus 110. I, I, I agree. I have Everton at uh, like plus 102. So I'm, I'm basically dead on with what the market is. All right. Let's move on to honestly, maybe I think the most exciting match of the weekend. Chelsea hosting Brighton. Chelsea is, is only a plus 162 home favorite. Brighton sitting at plus 170 with the draw at plus 240. This is the exact same thing. As last weekend where I saw the draw, I saw Chelsea versus Brighton. I got really excited because I thought I was going to get Brighton drawn a better, a decent number, but nope. The market says Brighton's better than Chelsea. So we're pricing this at a straight pick them at Stamford Bridge. So I am passing, but you like the over. Can't quit. 
I like the over. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, I, I don't want to go into this anymore. I'm really tired of talking about Chelsea. Uh, <laughs> all I've done for the last month is lose money on these frauds. Uh, actually, that's not entirely true. In the last two weeks, all I've done is lose oh. money on these frauds um, between you know the Real Madrid no-show today, uh, the Wolves no-show on Saturday, the Liverpool incredible performance that they never finished any chances. We were catching some overs prior to that. So, I, look, this comes down to Brighton's style of play and how much they're able to impose their will on people because we've seen Tottenham this year play a lot of dud clunker kind of dead games, uh, even against decent opposition, you know, like the Chelsea match comes to mind as one, the West Ham match recently. We've seen Tottenham be a good defensive team that has kind of struggled to generate chances. I would say that's, you know, been the biggest issue for Spurs has been the attack, not necessarily the defense. When you compare relatively speaking, they're still a top six defense in XG allowed. They're closer to like 10th. So you would have thought, okay, well, you know, Tottenham's home, they're able to dictate tempo, and that was not the case. Brighton just turned it up to a 12 and really caused a ton of problems for Spurs and, and were the much better side and, and really should have won the match if you you know go through the, the chances again, created over one and a half expected goals in the match. So I was incredibly encouraged by the performance at Spurs, and I think it's going to be a similar type of game you saw what Chelsea can be in transition. I know they didn't finish any of the chances, but the fir- even the first 20, 30 minutes of the game against Real Madrid, Chelsea were able to spring players in behind repeatedly. Uh, and I think they'll be able to do something of that, of that nature against this Brighton pressure. And they have the pressing from the front to turn over opponents enough that I trust them to, to get goals here. I shouldn't say I trust them because I really don't anymore. Uh, but... <laughs> But yeah, it ended up being seven carries and 15 passes into the Tottenham penalty area last week for Brighton, which is hard to do against Spurs. Before we move on, I have a question for you that I think is interesting. Where do you have Brighton power ranked in terms of the Premier League table? So I have them fifth, but it's basically a tie with Newcastle and I have like Chelsea and Man United are right there. Man United slightly above Chelsea. So it's basically fifth. Because here's my point is like, I think Brighton is the fourth best team in the Premier League. And if you look at expected goals, they are pretty decent margin between them and Liverpool right now. It's about five goal difference right there. You know, and the thing is, is when you go through all these big six clubs, like they can make excuse after excuse after excuse for teams like Tottenham, like who have lost Conte, who have had injuries or from a team like Manchester United, who had a really horrible start to the season and then turned it on. Brighton lost their manager in the middle of the season. They had to make a managerial change and they just continually are pummeling big six sides. They've done it to Liverpool twice. They just did it to Tottenham. They're going to have a couple of chances here coming up against both Arsenal, against both against City as well. They're not going to get to the top four. And unfortunately, how this works, and this is, work, this is how it happens in, in terms of the Premier League, is they're probably going to lose to Zerby. They're probably going to lose a lot of these different players. I actually thought about this the other day. Graham Potter's probably going to be manager of Brighton next year. I, I, I mean, that's probably going to, he's probably going to come back after Zerby leaves for Tottenham or, or Chelsea or whatever it is. But it's really, really unfortunate that of what happened to Brighton last weekend against Tottenham and what happened to them against Fulham that basically sunk their top four chances uh, because I truly believe this is the fourth best team in the Premier League. And they are so, their matches are the most exciting of anybody in the Premier League right now. I mean, it is just, the Zerbi is just balls to the wall. Like you said, that you get turned up to 12 every single match. So, yeah, uh, it's unfortunate. The market is telling you right now that Brighton is a better team than Chelsea if they're pricing them at a pick at Stanford Bridge. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, it's I mean, it's at really a certain point, it's not even analytics. It's, it's yep. okay, goal difference. Therefore, yeah, I mean, yeah, they're, they are... In, they're, they're incredible to watch week in and week out. It's, 
I mean, we've been championing the uh, the Brighton flag for for I don't know what three four years as now. long as this show has existed. As long as this show has existed, ever since me and Anthony started working together, we've just been saying Brighton, Brighton, Brighton over again. It's finally come to fruition. But yeah, it's uh, it's really just incredible to watch. Uh, what a team of great ownership structure that uh, really really trust me. Looks, I saw that Brighton spends. I think 3 million pounds a year on just straight data, just so they can, you know, find these diamonds in the roughs like Matoma or McAllister or Caicedo or the guys like that, which is, you know, just so beautiful to see for two of us who love uh, analytics, but I digress. Let's move on. Uh, you guys don't want to hear us just continually mush about Brighton over and over. Let's move on to a relegation six pointer Southampton taking on the best team in the world. Roy Hodgson's crystal palace, Southampton, is a plus 180 home underdog. Palace sitting at plus 170 with the draw at plus 210. Um, I think the market's gotten a little hot here <laughs> on Palace uh, after a couple of great performances, and they were great performances under Hodgson. And this is something that I was looking back on, and I was like, wait, how did I not see this coming? Is that, yes, Hodgson, when he was in charge of Crystal Palace, it was, you know, 4-4-2, overperformance, you know, like you, you dubbed it Hodgson ball, where they just, you know, luck box all these different wins. When he was managing Watford last season and he was trying to get them out of the relegation fight, he was playing incredibly high event type matches and was really just going balls to the wall. So I'm kind of kicking myself for not seeing this this type of, you know, not not, you know, this type of offensive performance coming, but the overs are, you know, these high event style matches. So Again, I don't know if this is the spot to to continually back Palace. Uh, I wouldn't blame anybody if they did because Southampton looks dead right now, but I'll be passing. Do you have anything for this match? Yeah, I mean, I, I still will, will put up that the biggest thing that happened to Crystal Palace is that they stopped playing all the good teams and started yep. playing all the shitty ones. Instead of playing Man United, Brighton, Brentford, Liverpool, Villa, City, Brighton, Arsenal, you got to play Leicester and Leeds, who are two of the four worst defense, five worst defenses in the league. And yes, obviously... The new manager coming here at the perfect time to spark it makes a difference for sure. Uh, and Hodgson is a genius for coming in at the perfect time to face the easiest <laughs> schedule in the history of the Prem. And that continues this weekend <laughs> with their away trip to Southampton. I mean, it's exactly it's a genius move. Uh, he's going to save them from relegation. I mean, they're they're actually not really live for the top ten, but they're not out of it now because yeah of because of just how easy the schedule is. I mean, if they beat up on these relegation level teams, they're going to be you know they're within six points of Fulham, I would not and, and then they put it go, out of the realm. Then they go Everton. Yeah, and their remaining Everton. schedule is Southampton, Everton, Wolves, West Ham, Spurs, Bournemouth, Fulham, Forest. Oh, this is great. And like, yeah, those teams are all going to be desperate, but I, I see myself betting Palace a lot because what's going to happen, I mean, they're going to play, uh, especially at the end of the season, if Bournemouth and Forest are in those relegation battles and they're going on the road to Palace, uh, they're going to be juiced favorite over overwhelmingly, and I'm probably going to bet the Eagles at home, but you know, in this matchup, I, I, you could sell me on another over, but I'll probably end up passing here. Yeah. I just realized, you know, I had basically written off this ticket for dead, but my, uh, palace over 46 and a half points is, is not dead by any means right now. They just need to win former matches and get one draw out of these remaining matches, man. And yeah, my top ticket, be, in our, in our top be, ticket, definitely behind. But uh, you're not dead. They have to play. It's not dead. I thought it was dead. But fifty-two it's... point pace for the rest of the season. But like you said, the schedule, man, it does yeah. not get any easier than that. And they've already played all the good teams. Even the Tottenham match, like their hardest match on the schedule. Yeah, Spurs. I mean, are they, not going to be more than minus one hundred and sixty in that match. If they win this weekend, 
they'll be 11 points off uh, from hitting that over with Everton Wolves, West Ham, like you mentioned, Tottenham, Bournemouth, Fulham, Nottingham Forest, just needing three wins and, and a draw out of, out of that is, is beautiful or two draws. We also shouldn't forget. This is still a limited attacking team though. Uh, oh yeah. So, it's very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, this it, is yeah. like, it's the same players. Like, it's not like, you know, Edward is now suddenly the best striker in the world. And Arlise is like, you know, uh, vintage Iniesta, like, no, <laughs> like these are still the same players. So, but yeah, now let's move on to your team. Tottenham hosting Bournemouth. At White Hart Lane, Tottenham is a minus 223 home favorite. Bournemouth sitting at plus 650 with the draw at plus 350. I think if you've listened to this podcast for the last few weeks, I think you know where this conversation is going, but I'll let you uh, digress about your Tottenham Hotspurs here against Bournemouth. Yeah, I actually have surprisingly little value in this match. I thought I was going to be betting Bournemouth, and I ended up coming out with them right around minus 180. I'm just still very low on this Bournemouth team. You know, we had that run of betting their team total overs. That was fun. We made some good money on that. I thought the market was wrong. And you could still probably sell me on a team total over here against Tottenham. But unless this gets to a straight one and a half, uh, I will not be getting involved here. I just think that the market is pretty properly priced. Tottenham, for as much as they have their attacking struggles, like Bournemouth's defense is is one of the, the more ideal matchups for them in terms of just lacking talent. Uh, and so, you know, we've still seen Tottenham show the capability of putting up good attacking performances when they played the absolute worst of the worst defenses in this league, you know, two, 2.3 against uh, Southampton and against Forest. They were they were pretty good, too, going forward over two XG there, too. So uh, I'm not going to just auto fade Spurs, but there are a couple spots I have circled coming up in, in future weeks. Yeah, I, uh, I'm actually going to sell you on a team total over Bournemouth over to score at minus 145. I mean, I think we need to have a conversation about their offense because they are hooking right now. Since January 21st, Bournemouth has created 16.1 expected goals in 11 matches. That's the seventh most in the Premier League during that time frame. This is the offense. If you remember at the beginning of the season, we were wondering when they were actually going to score. <laughs> like They went through a, a big time stretch where they created next to nothing for a 10 match uh, stretch. And then they ran like gods right before the World Cup. Now I'm looking at this offense. I'm like, wow, this offense is breaking down some of the best teams in the Premier League. Like they've... Like they've played City, like they've played Liverpool, they've they've played some of the bigger teams in the Premier League, and they're still creating a big scoring chance or Arsenal <laughs> scoring in you know nine seconds against them. So why can't they do it against Tottenham? You know, I understand the price is a little bit high uh, at minus one forty five. I would not go anywhere above uh, minus one fifty. But I mean, given Tottenham's style of play. Uh, and you know, this is something I've been talking about with not necessarily Bournemouth, but but teams who like to play these very counter direct counterattack heavy styles when they go up against each other. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be an under. What actually ends up happening is becomes very very end to end style uh, of match because you know Bournemouth. Uh, I've said it before. I think they're the Brentford Junior of a team that can just create one or two really big scoring chances uh, at the other end, and they're also you know a top five set piece team as well. And Tottenham did just concede a set piece to to Brighton last weekend. So I'll be on Bournemouth team total over a half, uh, minus 145. Uh, wouldn't go above minus 150. But I mean, this attack has underperformed too. Like those 16.1 expected goals in 11 matches, they've only scored 10 of them. So like this offense is still due for positive progression. So I'll be on them to score. Minus 
Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, let's move on to Wolves. Hosting Brentford at the Molyneux. Wolves is sitting at plus 155. Brentford sitting at 2-1 to one with the draw, sitting at plus 210. I love Brentford here, but I'll let you get your thoughts in first. I mean, my numbers show a little bit of value on Brentford, but they do just about every week. And this is one spot where I'm just not that interested in backing them as a road pick them against a, a, a mediocre but not terrible Wolves side. So, so this is just the easiest pass on the board for me. Hmm. See, I like Brentford because I think this sets up well for for their style of play because, you know, what we talk about with Wolves a lot is, you know, they obviously take a ton of shots from outside the box. You know, they're dead last in big scoring chances, but Wolves is actually one of the slowest build-up teams from the back. They lead the Premier League in touches in their own penalty box and final third. Like, they are incredible at holding possession in their own final third, but once we get it into the opponent's final third and, you know, rarely the opponent's penalty box it just becomes a nightmare for them to actually create high quality chances and listen i mean this is this is lobategi to a t he wants to get the ball out wide he wants to slow build up and then swing in crosses you know brentford you know they do allow a higher end of crosses than most premier league teams but they are one of the best teams in aerial duels one so uh, and they're also very good at defending set pieces so even if wolves you know hold 60 percent possession I don't think they're going to create anything against this Brentford low block and Brentford, you know, and the thing about it is, is like with, with Lopetegui and getting the ball out wide, like Brentford will play five at the back. So like they can defend in that, those wide areas and not allow Wolves to have numerical uh, advantages there. And really what this comes down to as well is that Brentford, let's be honest, like they've been the beneficiary of quite a few penalties this season. But they still have a plus 0.2 non-penalty expected goal differential for the season. Wolves is sitting at minus 14.2. So Brentford has been that much better uh, than Wolves on the season. And the splits between home and away haven't been that drastic for Brentford either. So uh, I like the Bees draw no bad at plus 110. I do project them as a slight, ever so slight road favorite here. All righty, let's move on to... The headliner on Saturday at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Manchester City. The eventual Premier League champions, Manchester City, hosting Leicester at the Etihad, coming off that 3-0 win over Bayern Munich. Man City is sitting at minus 600. Leicester is a 12-1 road favorite with the draw sitting at plus 750. I actually do have a very boring, one of my favorite bets for this match. Uh, but other than that, I think it's a, it's an absolute snooze fest or just a city romp. Uh, what do you think? What I think of the Leicester attack is extremely tied to who they start up top and who they yep. prioritize their forwards to be. Uh, and so, you know, until we kind of have a better read on that, I don't really have a ton of interest here. What I will say is that City is absolutely inflated 
Uh, and this yep. is what I mentioned earlier about the title, you know, must win narrative. Uh, you know, it's still a good time to add more to your city to win the title position, no, as I not. say every week. No, it's uh, not. Because they are going to do it. And the gap no. between them and Arsenal in, in my power ratings has grown quite a bit, actually, in the last two weeks, uh, just based on City thrashing Leipzig, thrashing Bayern, uh, and then Arsenal looking a little shaky against Liverpool. So I don't have a ton of value here. I don't really want to bet Leicester, though. Like, there will be spots where I say, Team is inflated, but I'm not betting the dog. Uh, and this is one of those spots. I like both teams to score no at minus 130. One of my favorite bets I used to make with City for a long time until I got way too aggressive uh, and teams started being able to score on them on counterattacks. But, I mean, since City conceded 1.1 expected goals to Bournemouth on February 25th, they have just gone back to vintage pep, you know, stranglehold possession, controlling matches. Since that match, their last six matches between the Champions League and the Premier League, they've only conceded two goals and 2.8 expected goals. And Leicester, I mean, they've just been very, very poor recently. Like, they are just completely falling off cliff. And like you said, if they're going to start Jamie Vardy up top continually, like, yeah, they're not. They're going to have a lot of trouble scoring rather than starting a Daka or Ian Acho. Uh, last three matches, they've scored twice, created 1.4 expected goals. They're going to be without Harvey Barnes for this match, which is he's important for this type of match because of their ability to progress the ball up the pitch and play through City's counterpress. Telemans looks like he, you know, is questionable for this. If he's not available, that also hampers their ball progression, trying to get through City's press. And, you know, in the previous match between these two sides, it was a very, very sleepy. It was, it was the early lunchtime kickoff. City won the match one, nothing. Leicester did get off 10 shots, but they're, I mean, they're very similar to Wolves where they just take a ton of shots from outside the box and none of them are really of quality. So, you know, in that match, seven of their 10 shots came from outside the box. They created 0.7 expected goals. City won at one, nothing. And that's about how I, kind of see this one playing out or a city two nothing win. So I have both teams score no projected at minus one eighty two. So I like the value of minus one thirty. I actually think you can make and, and I bet a lot of city unders. And it's not just because I think the attack is overvalued, but I actually think you can make a strong case the defense has been a little unlucky this year mm-hmm. because they have conceded the second most goals per shot on target this year in the league, despite averaging an average of pretty below average shots distances and, and shot quality by XG per shot. So they're not conceding high quality chances, but they're conceding a lot of goals off of shots. Ederson hasn't been great. And so they've almost been a little unlucky in that sense uh, as a, as a defense. And so that, that does give credence to your case as, as why they're not particularly good. I also, uh, you know, they have the FA cup semifinals coming up uh, after Bayern Munich as well. And then if you want to talk title, it's right here. They go to Brighton, they host Arsenal. And we will know after that whether Arsenal has won the title or not. I don't right. know about that. Uh, okay, let's move on. If if it does end in a draw, I still think City's live. We'll see. All right, let's move on to Sunday at 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Nottingham Forest, who is in deep trouble right now, hosting Manchester United uh, at the city ground. Nottingham Forest is a plus 450 home underdog. United sitting at minus 163 with the draw at plus 300. I thought I was going to slam spot best bet Forest here. And then I ran my projections and I didn't really have a ton of value on them. I still have value on them, you know, at plus one, like I know you're going to bet as well. But with Casemiro coming back from Manchester United and with how bad Forrest had played. Like, it's just, you know, the runner results have been bad for Forrest, but, I mean, the, the underlying results are, are even worse. So, 
Unfortunately, I'm going to pass on on fading United and wait for a better spot. Uh, but you do like Forrest plus one here at home. Yeah, I do. It doesn't look like Marcus Rashford's going to play. And I think this is going to be the real test here because, yes, Erickson will be back, it looks like. Uh, he, you know, he made a return on Saturday and, and Casemiro will be back. So that will certainly help their midfield and their ability to deal with pressure potentially in this matchup. But I think there's some problem with this team in terms of shot production. Without Rashford, they're just not getting enough from the other guys to make up for it, right? And so everybody knows how good Marcus Rashford's been this year. Uh, he's definitely cost me money in the aggregate, and he's put up you know, almost three shots per 90, right? But here's the difference. Technically, the leader in shots per 90 for Man United is actually Anthony at 3.24. But what's the difference? His average shot distance is about 20.4 yards, which is... <laughs> horrendous he's outside the box (laughs) he's always outside the box and he's not getting them on target i mean he's he's, and he's getting 0.7 0.07 goals per shot it's bad rashford is nearly triple that he's run really hot he's only getting three shots per 90 but his distance on those shots 15.4 which if he were a team would be the best in the league Mm -hmm. so he's getting so many good shots and they're just not getting that level of production. Like when Martial's been out there, they're getting two shots per 90. Not great uh, from him. Ilanga uh, is at two. Fernandez is at two. And so my question is, I'm laying a goal on the road with a defense that has been spotty in the last month. Yep. I know Casemiro's back. Do I really trust them enough? Because even when Sancho's been out there, Sancho, less than one shot per 90. Casemiro, you know, he's back and he, he has added some forward punch for this team. He gets about a shot a game. But even his stuff is all from long range. So I just don't know where the, the production comes from to get margin here. And Forrest has been one of the least efficient teams in front of goal all season. And I don't think it's just like a talent thing. Like they just have the fewest goals per shot except for Everton. So I'm going to roll with the, the, the trees at home. We've talked about their home and away splits and just how dire they've been away from home. At home, average team in the Prem. Yep. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back them at home here, catching a goal against a United side that has a minus 0.4 XG difference per 90 away from home. So it just feels like given the injury to Rashford, I know everybody's going to be talking about Casemiro and Erickson being back, but I'm I'm worried about this, this uh, attack producing a lot. So I'm going to take I, the trees. I totally agree. I was going to, I was going to bet the over between them and Sevilla in the, the Europa league, but I had to pass because of Rashford being out. And I just don't really know what United's going to do without him. So great point. I think they'll be okay against Sevilla. At they home. will be. No, I mean Sevilla sucks. Of course they'll awful. be okay. They're awful. Um, I, like they still can create chances. Don't get me wrong. But they have they have players, but I think it adds up beyond in the long the, run. Do you see who they have coming up after the the two legs with Sevilla? If Rash, I mean, we don't know if Rashford's gonna be healthy uh, by this point or not. But they go on they, a they, Chelsea at home. Brighton FA Cup. Well, they, they, they don't. Home. They don't play Chelsea because that's the FA Cup. So they'll. Do, they literally oh, just play. True. Brighton. Yeah, you're right. They have so they Brighton. Go, they go Brighton. Yeah, then they go Brighton FA Cup semifinal all time slam spot for Brighton there, uh, and then they go to Tottenham host Villa, and then they go to Brighton again. So uh, the top four race is very, very interesting between. I think you know. I think Brighton's dead now after what happened uh, between them and Tottenham uh, last Saturday. So the Liverpool. Tottenham and United battle for the top four. I think, I think honestly, Newcastle is pretty safe. Maybe I'll be wrong, but we'll see. Do, what do you think the line is, by the way, for, for Brighton and Man United? I have not I, looked I, at I it. Think Brighton, I think Brighton has to be favored, right? It is a pick 'em. 
It is a pick'em. Okay, so I figured what they would do. Dead pick'em. My, my I figured they do. I figured they'd do dead pick'em. They're not even teams without Rashford. I'll tell you that much. Brighton. I agree. So, I'll, yeah, I'll definitely be betting Brighton there. All right, let's close things out here in the Premier League. We have Monday night football, and it's a fun one. Leeds hosting Liverpool, coming off that dominant second-half performance against Arsenal. Leeds is sitting at plus 330. Liverpool, a minus 138 road favorite with the draw, sitting at plus 320. I don't see how this match doesn't end with just a billion chances at either end, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I love the over here, uh, but I'll let you go first. Yeah, I mostly do too. Uh, I I definitely agree. I mean, it's a little bit high uh, at three flat. Like betting over threes in the prem with like a Leeds team just feels just feels like a like I'm betting into an inflated market. But I like Leeds plus a half. Uh, I think Liverpool's road form has continually been overinflated in the market all season long, uh, and and playing against that narrative again, uh, you, you just see the difference in the energy and the pressing, and how they're able to continue to recycle the ball and generate consistent shots and pressure they just don't do it at the same level yeah. when they're uh, on the road uh, and it's been consistent all year even if you look at like the champions league ties against real madrid when the first leg you know liverpool was really all over them in the second leg they kind of no showed the second half and i mean no better example than this week they were absolutely awful for two straight matches on the road at city and chelsea Come home, beat the shit out of Arsenal for 70 minutes. Uh, and then now they're going back on the road again. So I am going to take the Peacocks at home in a frenetic back and forth kind of game. This was a, a, a classic in the first matchup, uh, which went 2-1 to Leeds. And it was a relatively even matchup at Anfield. So they've, they've yep. caused some problems. Harrison being fit, I think, is huge for this Leeds attack. Yes, they still have defensive issues. I think Luis Diaz is back. Like Liverpool is finally getting healthy. But... Uh, Still don't trust them as a big road favorite here. So I'm going to take the Peacocks. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I have Liverpool at like minus 121. So slight lean to leads there. But I like over three goals, uh, minus 110. I project 3.7 goals here. Since Javi Garcia took over at Leeds, we've been abysmal defensively. Seven matches in charge. They've conceded 14.9 expected goals. And they hit rock bottom. That was rock bottom last weekend against I agree. Crystal Palace, giving up five goals to Roy Hodgson's side. And I was looking at their pressing numbers because, you know, if, if you watch Leeds there, they tend to be a little bit more passive than they were under Jesse Marsh. And if you look at their passive per defensive action, it's ever so slightly up from what it was there. But the problem is, is that Garcia is trying to provide more defensive structure. Uh, and it's just a team that's not constructed to play a low blocky counterattacking style or even like a passive style. It's a high press, high intensity team. And that's the players that they've brought in and signed from the last transfer window and the transfer window before that. Uh, I think Tyler Adams being out is, is massive to this Leeds team. Uh, you can just see it that McKinney and Roka just don't have the type of ball winning and covering that he does. And, you know, as far as Liverpool, Liverpool is concerned, like, yeah, that was an amazing performance against Arsenal. I mean, over four expected goals against the second best defense in the Premier League. I mean, that's an incredibly impressive performance. And something that was interesting is Klopp started to invert Trent Alexander-Arnold a lot more into the midfield uh, to provide more ball progression going forward that they just weren't getting with Fabinho. So they were kind of trying to double pivot him as well, which did work. Um, I don't know if for the long term if that's something that's going to be more play more with Liverpool. It will help their attack, I think. I mean, this Liverpool offense, I mean, yeah, yeah, they, like you mentioned, they had bad matches against Chelsea and City, but 
I mean, overall for the season, they're averaging 1.74 non-penalty expected goals per night. Like this is still a top three offense in the Premier League, uh, and having Diaz healthy is is huge for them, especially attacking in wide areas. And I think the Liverpool defensive issues are still very, very real. Like it was a comedy of errors that led to both Arsenal goals on Sunday. Liverpool has now conceded the fifth most big scoring chances in the Premier League. You already mentioned it. They can't counter press the way that they used to. It's not a team that's clearly constructed to play any other way at an elite level. They can play at a good level uh, in terms of different tactics, but they're at their best when they're pressing high, counter-pressing, controlling possession. They haven't been able to do that. So, And the Leeds offense has been fine. They have the attacking talent to do so. We've created 7.8 expected goals and uh, Garcia's seven matches in charge. So I see this as a very end-to-end style match. I do like over three goals at minus 110. Or if you want to do the DeBundo special, both teams score over two and a half. I don't hate that either yeah i like that more here because i do see this being back and forth all righty let's take a little jaunt around europe but first i need to let you know again that wonder goal is presented by bet 365 the world's favorite sportsbook brand sign up with promo code action to get bet 365's exclusive sign up offer in new jersey colorado and ohio bet one dollar on any game get 200 in bonus bets all right let's kick things off with the bundesliga what do you got for us here in germany this weekend anthony Updated my projections on Sunday and the board lit up with Hoffenheim and Stuttgart, which immediately tipped me off that the market is inflated on the title chasers. Bayern especially, uh, the number has come down a little bit here, but you can still get 2.25. I like catching that hook there uh, or the half hook on the two uh, with the Asian spread. Uh, Hoffenheim continues to be a positive regression candidate as well. They've underperformed all year long. Finally, starting to turn the corner, I think, are starting to see improved performances and improved results as a result of that. They're really not a bottom four or five team like the like the uh, market is suggesting here. I mean, Bayern laying two and a quarter, you usually only see that against, you know, you're like 13th to 15th ranked teams, not quite relegation, relegation, but yeah. right around that. And I think Hoffenheim's closer to the 11th or 10th best team here. So I agree. like Hoffenheim and, and Stuttgart at home catching a half against Dortmund, Dortmund, uh, Still in this title race, not over at all. But I told everybody last week, I'm, I'm I bet Stuttgart every match the rest of the season. It cashed on them plus one fifty last week. We're going back to the well at home, catching a half. Uh, they are an above average Bundesliga team. Yep. Uh, and Dortmund should not be laying a half to that. So yeah, I agree. Yep, I like team I bet last week. I'm gonna. They actually won uh, their first match, and I believe six matches. Cologne, I'm going with them again at home. Uh, draw no bet minus one ten against Mines. I just think the market has gotten a little too hot on this Mines team that if anybody listened to the podcast last year, we loved them. They were great. They underperformed their expected metrics. They were they created a ton of big scoring chances. They're a really good pressing team. Well, now it's funny how the market flips. Is Now, now they're completely overperforming their expected metrics as of late, and now the market's gotten too hot on them. In their last eight matches, they're unbeaten. They have a plus 11 actual goal differential, but their expected goal differential is only 2.6. And then there's also a huge difference between Mines' performances at home, where they have a plus 3.3 expected goal differential, versus on the road, where they have a minus 3.6 expected goal differential. Cologne, before that match against Augsburg, they, in their last the the six or seven, ma- seven matches uh, where they went winless, they had a minus 13 actual goal differential, only a minus 2.8 expected goal differential. So this is a really big positive regression meets negative regression type of matchup where 
you can kind of see the market being overinflated. And mine's look, they're still a very good pressing team. Like both Svensson's team is very, very good at disrupting build-up play. But Cologne is a team that, you know, if you if you look at Opto or the analyst uh, to see, you know, the styles of play of our teams, you know, fast and direct, or are they more slow possession build-up? Cologne is kind of both of those. They're a very, very good set-piece team as well. Uh, and again, this is essentially two teams that have pretty much the exact same expected goal differential, and I'm getting the... Uh, the home field advantage boost for Cologne. So I like Cologne and draw no bet minus 110 at home. All right, let's move down to Italy. Uh, what do you have for us in Serie A, Anthony? Well, you've all been sweating these European tickets on all these Italian <laughs> teams this week. You've got uh, you've got Napoli. I've got Inter. We all have Roma. I think yep. you added Fiorentina. So yep. uh, sweating a lot of these teams in Europe, which sets up some pretty interesting sandwich spots to get the non-European teams catching uh, as home underdogs. And one of those teams is Sassuolo at home. Now, I've talked about Sassuolo, why they will. I had to adjust my model to kind of factor in worse than expected goalkeeping because their goalkeeper has been so bad year after year and it has cost them. Uh, and one major reason in the last couple of years, why they've underperformed their underlying numbers, especially defensively, but this is a Juventus team. They don't take very many shots. And so your goalie issues can be not as important when you're facing a Juventus team that just doesn't create shots, doesn't create separation or margin. Juve, I think, is going to be in a very difficult tie with Lisbon. And so long as you know this ban continues, I still see a world where Europa League is the top priority for Allegri right now, knowing that they have no real chance at the top four otherwise and the Champions League, which is, for a club in financial peril at the moment, a very critical situation. So, you know, Sassuolo at home. I don't think the gap is that big between the two teams, even when adjusting for the goalkeeper differences because Chesney's been elite this year. Could be a problem, but I like Sassuolo at home. Yeah, I like probably one of the most boring, probably the most boring match uh, across Europe this entire weekend. Lecce taking on Sampdoria. Both teams to score no at minus 130. These are the two worst offenses in Italy. Lecce is dead last. Sampdoria is second to last. But Lecce... Like they're actually a halfway decent defense. They're top seven in non-penalty expected goal, shots per 90, and big scoring chances allowed. And they're also a very, very good team at disrupting buildup play. They're fourth in passes per defensive action, sixth in high turnovers. And Sampdoria is not this direct counter-attacking style team. So when you have two of the worst offenses in Serie A, uh, and you know, obviously the total here is set at two pretty straight both ways. I mean, I have both teams score no projected well over minus 200. So uh, I love the value on that at minus 130. All right, let's move over to Spain. What do you have for us in La Liga this weekend, Anthony? One of the most ugly boards you will ever see. Yeah, it is. It's uh, very bad. It is a terrible board. But I, w- I would look to uh, Bill Bow and Sociedad, both teams, to score yes. A classic situation in, in in Spain that we've seen in the last couple months, especially where just the market gets too low on these attacks. Uh, and, and I have no choice but to bet an over that is usually DOA. Um, but that would be my look there in Spain. Otherwise, I may just sit out the rest of the card because it is Ugre. Yeah, I'm going to take a shot on uh, these Real Madrid over two and a half. It is a it is a sandwich spot uh, for Real Madrid, and they're pretty much out of the La Liga title race here. So this match might not mean nothing to them. But Cadiz is one of the worst offenses in Spain. They're 18th in non-penalty expected goals, and they're fighting for their lives in terms of the relegation battle. So they have to play aggressive going forward, which is just not a good case going forward against Real Madrid. So, you know, I project 3.3 goals and that's about what it was the last time Real Madrid won this match. 2-1, about three expected goals were created. So, 
getting over two and a half minus one twenty five uh, play up to minus one thirty. Uh, I think it's decent value. And let's finally wrap things up around Europe here with France, and we have a huge match in France this weekend. Uh, and you have a bet on it: PSG versus Lens. Yeah, PSG stole that win against Nice they last did. week. They got outplayed for large stretches of it again. You know, granted, Messi was Messi, but uh, I like Long. Uh, both as a money line underdog and as a plus a half or plus one underdog, depending on how you want to take it. Uh, I took some plus a half, plus 130. They are playing much better at the moment. Uh, they look like uh, if they win this match, they're live. Uh, you can find north of 25 to one out there to win Liga. PSG's schedule is pretty friendly coming in. So I think that's definitely going to be a problem for Long trying to yeah, catch this, them. Yeah, this is it. Like they got to win this if they want to. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I'm I'm intrigued and I'm going to take them. So uh, I like law. All right. That does it for our jaunt around Europe. Let's wrap things up with best bets. Anthony, what's your best bet in the Premier League this weekend? I'm going to go with Nottingham Forest plus one at home against Manchester United. Uh, I talked earlier on the show about Marcus Rashford and his absence and how that affects United's ability to get high quality shots. I think they're going to end up taking a lot of long range shots from distance and get a little bit frustrated and build up possession because of that. Because Veghorst is not getting you enough quantity and Anthony is not getting you enough quality. Sancho has been inconsistent in his minutes. So even though Casemiro and Erickson are set to make their big return, I'm going to fade them. I'm going to take Forrest, who's been competitive at home and United has been a very mediocre away side this year. Uh, so give me the trees at home catching a goal. I like Leeds and Liverpool over three goals at minus 110 on Monday afternoon. Leeds' defense has been abysmal since Javi Garcia took over 14.9 expected goals allowed in his seven matches in charge, and they hit rock bottom against Crystal Palace, conceding five goals to Roy Hodgson's side. Liverpool's offense looked great against Arsenal in the second half. They created over four expected goals for the entire match, and this is Liverpool offense that has been really good all season long, and it hasn't had any problems. 1.74 non-penalty expected goals per 90 minutes. That's third in the Premier League. But the Liverpool defense still has some real issues. It was a comedy of errors that led to the two goals against Arsenal. They've now conceded the fifth most big scoring chances in the Premier League. And they just can't counterpress the way that they did in years past. So now it's a team that's not set up to play an elite style tactically than that high pressing style that we've seen over the years, which is going to end up creating a very end-to-end style match here. I see a lot of chances either end. I project 3.7 goals for this match. So I like the over three goals at minus 110. All right, that'll do it for me and Anthony here. Michael will be back in the host chair on Sunday night. But before we get out of here, we're going to have a little chat with our friend Eric Winalda talking about what we saw in the Champions League and some U.S. men's national team stuff. So stick around for that interview. Uh, But we will see you again on Monday morning for the second leg of the Champions League. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. We are now joined by frequent guest, and basically co-host of the show at this point, Eric Winalda. <laughs> Eric, you thought Bayern was going to win. I think we were all in agreement that it would be closer than it ended up being on Tuesday afternoon. What do you attribute to Bayern now? They've been under Tuchel for about 10 days. 
maybe two weeks. They had the huge win in Der Klassiker, but they have now gone out to Freiburg in the cup and have all but gone out to City in the Champions League. What do you make of what happened on Tuesday and, and what it says about you know what's what's going on there? Uh, Upa Meccano. Let's just start there. Unbelievably poor performance. It it's a, it, it really illuminated um, one fact is that Tuchel is going to want to play a certain way and it demands uh, a different skill set than than he has. Uh, it just it, it didn't work. If, if you watch the game, I went back and watched that second part, um, how many times he gave the ball away, the miscommunications. Um, the second goal, it absolutely crushed Byron, absolutely destroyed him. I mean, Grealish is clever, you know, and and it's a it's a great back heel. And and Holland, who would have thought he would have uh, had the presence to to chip it to the shortest guy in the field? But when when your five foot seven guy runs onto a ball and uh, has a has a free header, uh, that that means everybody's out of place. The way that Tuchel likes to play um, really is expansive in that part of the field. And if if you start losing the ball, you, you could be in big trouble. It happened with. Uh, Freiburg and Upamakano ha- also had the, the, if you remember, the the penalty kick um, several weeks ago. Um, uh, Palacios put that away for Leverkusen, so it's it's a, it's an issue. I mean, there's 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 a problem, and I think they'll uh, ultimately uh, try to solve it uh, come June and July. But I was really disappointed, man. I I thought I thought this was it for Bayern. I I thought that this was a, a real opportunity. Um, and look, there was no. There was no pep overthink it. Uh, Stones um, and Rodri in the midfield actually worked out great, didn't it? So he gets Stones gets the the assist on on Holland's goal. It, it's not beautiful football, but it's it's old school. Lob it in there and let the guy head it down and let the let the bear eat. That's all that happened. It wasn't you know typical beautiful Man City football, but it it was certainly effective. So you know you got to hand it to Pep on this one. He really, um, it was an unbelievable performance defensively. Uh, I went back and did a lot of screenshotting of their, their just just how connected they were and how compact they were uh, in certain parts of the game. Uh, really impossible to break down. And then, of course, now we're hearing the reports of, uh, you know, Mane uh, hits Sade. So if there isn't a fight once a week in Germany, things aren't normal. But this was not the time to do that. So a little unrest with the team. Tuchel uh, gets his second loss. Not the best. Uh, not the best couple of weeks, huh? I mean, it wasn't what uh, what, what we expected. But t- hats off to, to Man City. Uh, but but Bayern certainly has some work to do. Even in the first half, before that second goal, I mean, there was two or three situations where they were putting Sommer in, in hell, trying to get him out of the situations and terrible back passes and playing him under pressure. Holland almost closed him down for the first goal, and right. uh, it, it was dangerous stuff all day. And it felt like eventually that was going to cost him. From what I saw, it's something similar that has happened to both Leipzig and Arsenal recently with City is that City kind of sat off a little bit to begin with. Like like you mentioned, they were staying very, very compact, not really pressing high very much. And once, you know, Bayern or, you know, kind of once they made a mistake, City just pounced on it and they are the number one team in the world. You cannot make mistakes and build up play against it. It happened with Arsenal twice. It happened with Leipzig in the first and second leg. So with all the tactical stuff, I thought it just came down to a couple bad mistakes, and that's oh. ended up cost ended up uh, costing Bayern. So, uh, and now it's I mean I don't think there's any chance that they can come back, even though going back to Munich, I don't know. They'll they'll, they'll German this thing. Trust me, it, they'll, they'll score get, two and make it interesting. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I, you know that's 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 kind of we can plan on that, but it, it might not be enough. But man, a big disappointment from my end. Uh, just watching that game live, and then. 
the rewatch was even worse. It was tough sledding there for for Byron. Yeah, Byron weird. as high as eighteen to one now. If you want to, if you want to get crazy and and stay to come back, I, I don't not, see it. No, it's not even I need enough. Need at least thirty to have a chance there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, let's move on to Wednesday. Uh, what we just saw here, recording this on Wednesday night, Real Madrid two nothing against Chelsea. A very pretty poor performance from Chelsea, honestly. Real Madrid's probably through in this tie. Although you know what we saw last season, they you know they almost bundled it against Chelsea. But if Real Madrid goes through. What chances do you give them at taking out Man City again? Uh man, that's that's what a wonderful what a wonderful fixture that's going to be. Because mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot, there's just so much to it. I, I think when it, when it comes to Madrid, they're just capable of the magical moments that win games. You know, we keep writing Benzema off, and it's just he's not dead yet, folks. The guy is still good, and they're, from what I understand, they're managing him very differently. He gets more days off than than most, um, rightly so. But they just have too much experience uh, to write off. Uh, but but it will really come down uh, come down to the day. I um, mean, you know, watching them watching them today, when, and you know, you could you could say what you like about Chelsea's performance. I don't like the selection. I mean, if you saw Joe Felix's breakaway, that was really the first. If the first thing you got to look at is like when they get stretched, understand the moments where you can get after them, and you're going to get them on the break. But I, I mean, if, if Mudrik is the guy chasing that down, he wins that race. John Felix has never been a goal scorer. He's never had double figures in Spain. I don't think it's fair to really expect uh, that kind of output a- out of him. I think he'll be great once they figure out who their actual nine is. Uh, it's not a Havertz, right? And it's not Christian Pulisic. And it certainly isn't uh, John Felix. And it, it, it might not even be Mudrik. I mean, the problem is, is they've got six guys that play the same position and they're all wingers. Uh, Sterling didn't have a good day, but uh, there is a blueprint in there to try and figure out exactly what Man City essentially did to Bayern. If they do that again, I give them the nod on this. As good as Real Madrid is and Courtois is still, I mean, there's a couple of moments in there. Maybe there there should have been a goal, but if it's a different goalkeeper, but but Courtois is do, doing it again. He's doing what he did to Liverpool. It's it's pretty fantastic to watch at times. He's capable of the blunder, but look, I still think Madrid as good as they are. They they this is City's year. This is City's year to lose it. I, I don't think I don't see them slipping up. And Grealish has finally figured out how to play in this deal, so it looks good. Uh, I, I I think City City ultimately makes their way to to the final. And I guess we know one thing for certain is we'll probably, well, not certain, but pretty much it'll be an Italian team. That's for sure. And that's, that's another part of the equation. It's, 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 it's really going to be a question if Napoli can come back from today, put up a fight and, and figure out how to uh, get themselves into a final. But we might be looking if we might be looking at a Milan derby for the, for the semi. So that'd be incredible. Crazy stuff. Uh, you would not hear complaints from me as somebody who has an inter ticket that they've been sitting on or uh, no, no chance or, or, a, or a AC Milan ticket for me, but there's a long way to go. I mean, this is what people forget. I mean, we're, we're mm. looking at current form and you know, you're a couple of, you know, we, we, you know, looking at De Bruyne going down the way he did. We still haven't got the full report of how bad that is. I think it's a medial collateral ligament, it, 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 which if it is that, that could, that could certainly, dampen things for them but i mean a couple of injuries and and this is a whole new ball game so we can't it's really difficult this this one more so than any other champions league i think is so hard to figure out how this is all going to play out you got to go game to game also big victor Oatsman not playing today and 
we'll, we'll see what his status is in six days. Yeah, and no, uh, no Anguiso or Min Kim Jay for Napoli. Yeah, a bunch like, of suspensions like that, hurts, that hurts them. Two in a row though that for for Napoli to lose to Milan, you know, they lose the four zero. Uh, Osimhen wasn't able to play in that one either, and and now they 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 fall on this one. I mean, the red card certainly affected the game, but pretty interesting time right now for for Milan because this is getting really interesting. I thought Milan Inter uh, on Tuesday was was absolutely terrific on the defensive side of things. Really made things difficult for Benfica, so they're sitting in the in the driver's seat to get themselves in a good spot. They they now they can do what they what they do best, and that's nothing. And just wait till the end of the game and possibly get another penalty kick and then put it away with Lukaku. So Inter really doesn't have to do much to to find their way into a semi. Let's move on to uh, some... Our uh, man, Jesse Marsh. Yeah, our man, Jesse Marsh, the guy who will not stay out of the headlines despite saying he wants to take some time away from the game. He's almost He was almost the Leicester manager. Uh, and then talks broke down once again, just like they do at Southampton. Do we have another similar situation where... His agent wanted a long-term deal, and Lester was like, "No, we just want to do it through the end of the season." Um, you see, the, what what Jesse does, and I think we've discussed this before on previous podcasts, is he likes to go in and he asks the questions. He wants to know what your plan is. He wants to know what the long-term deal is, and that just wasn't the way this conversation needed to go. They needed a quick fix. They they're in big trouble. Mm-hmm. I mean. They're not, I mean, and look, and who are they running into this week? I think they've got City right right yep. out of the gate. So they don't have time for somebody to 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 plead patience or to to say that, well, you know, this is the project and this is what I want to do and this is where we're going to be in three years. They don't know where they're going to be in three weeks. So it's Ron Waxman. That's his name. That's the agent. Uh, I know him really well. I always make fun of him. He always looks like he's boarding a plane to the Bahamas. Every time I see him, he's got some flowered shirt and, but the guy's killing it. He, and, and the reason why he's killing it is because when he does a deal, he makes sure that it's long-term and he makes it really hard to fire his clients. That's his tactic. On this particular ca- occasion, it didn't work. What was really interesting to me is I just don't understand this part. I'm not trying to be cruel. I, I, Jesse's a friend, but Jesse really hasn't earned the the right to, to to go into these conversations with, you know, you know, with his chin up and and basically, you know, making the rules. I mean, I'm not saying he should be desperate, but I do think it's time for him to take a step back, maybe do a Vincent company, get some success. Really, really, if you really have a project and you really want to have a style of play and, and these are my principles and you want to go that route, prove it. Prove it somewhere that we can actually say this is the sample size that, that isn't this big, it's this big, and this guy might be the right guy. I think that's hard for his ego to swallow, but He's gonna he's gonna need to take a step back, and 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 get get two or three years of work in before he starts going into those conversations, thinking that he's making the rules. So you know we talk about the relegation battle right now. Leeds is two points clear of safety, eight matches to go. They're two points ahead of Forest and Everton, and then Leicester's at twenty five, Southampton twenty three. Leeds is not favored to go down, but it's now in the realm of possibility where it could certainly happen. What's the outlook potentially for all these American players if Leeds were to get relegated, which for the record, I still don't think is going to happen, but we'll see. I don't either. I, I think Forrest is in probably the biggest trouble, even though they're, and, and Lester's really not in a, in a, in a good spot. And of course, uh, Southampton and Bournemouth look, look like they could be serious candidates. I, I'm, I'm strong on Everton saving it. I, I really do think that they're, they're going to figure this out. And I, I like, I like the fixture this week mainly because 
you've got the Fulhams and you've got the Brentfords and you've got uh, the Brightons of the world who just, they're not going up and they ain't going down. And and half of those guys are starting to think about their trip to Mallorca. So I, I'm really thinking Everton will, will, will get the points necessary this week uh, to put them in a better conversation. Leeds is a different, it's a different element. I mean, it's a tricky one because Liverpool is terrible on the road. They have not been able to figure that out. But they look pretty damn good to me against Arsenal. That that was Anfield was alive and 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 well. If they can continue with that, this is gonna be a bad day for Leeds. As far as the Americans go, I, I this is the world we live in, guys. It, it's it's not the end of the world if they go down. They'll just find another club. The perception of reality might uh, be that yeah, look, we got all these Americans and we and we went down with them. I live that. I you know I I went down twice in my time in 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 Germany. And trust me. They love to blame the Americans. And I think that will be the case if it happens. But uh, McKinney was actually pretty good in the 5-1 loss. I mean, it, it wasn't a bad performance. That defense stinks. I mean, they're, across the line, they're just not good enough to play that style of football. And I think Jesse Marsh learned learned it the, the hard way. And, and Grassi is, is finding the same damn problem. It's you've got to just be more direct and you can't and 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 those midfielders and a lot of them are american meaning mckinney uh, adam when he, adams when he comes back and aronson just your head's on a swivel it's not going to be on the ground they got to get it forward the biggest problem is bamford sucks and he is not uh a, an epl forward in my in my eyes i think they've they're going to really struggle until they 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 figure that part out they, they're going to need harrison to step up and they're going to need aronson to stand uh step up but Man, it's a tough go. Leeds could could very well go down, but it's going to take some cooperation from the, the the teams I just mentioned. Well, Leeds has obviously Liverpool on Monday, uh, but after that, here's their chance to stay up. They go to Fulham, they host Leicester, and then they go to Bournemouth. And then after that's that, the whole it's season. City. That's it, guys. That's, that's it. Because then after that, you got City, Newcastle, West Ham, and Tottenham. So those three matches are going to be key for Leeds to stay up. I mean, the thing about Leeds, and, and this is something I just talked about on the podcast, is that they have a team where they spent all this money in both the offseason and at the January transfer window designed to play Jesse Marsh's high pressing direct style. Correct. And now Garcia comes in, he wants to be more passive. He wants to be more compact defensively. And he just, the players are just not equipped to play that style. And plus Tyler Adams being out also doesn't help them. So no. yeah, it's, it's a uh, Liverpool match. Get it forward, get set pieces, get your ass in front of the goal and make something happen. Everton. <laughs> that's how you stay in this thing. I mean, that's right. that's really has to be the game. People need to remember with Jesse Marsh. I mean, success at Salzburg. By the way, you had the best striker in the world. His name was Erling Holland. He was absolutely lighting it up. You stayed in with Leeds when you had Rafinha. That's a little bit easier when Rafinha and Rodrigo were, were actually healthy. And there was this other guy, Calvin Phillips, who he didn't stink either. So it, it's a different deal now for Leeds. They have to understand who they are. Uh, they got a goal from Bamford on a, on a corner. That's got to Don't expect that guy to play. Just set some picks and and get him in spots where he can get his head on the ball and make sure that you follow it up. If that if that goalkeeper spills it, you're going to get some ugly goals. It's not pretty. It's not tactical. It's just it's all about your heart and it's it's all about your aggression and whether you stay in the fight. That's it. That's all they need to do. They have enough talent, if you will, to. Mm-hmm. To stay in a fight and win some of those some of those battles, but not all the time. And if they try to do it all the time, two things happen: they get really predictable, and they show that they're not talented enough to play that way. 
And if those two things keep happening, they're going to lose games. 5-1 at Ellen Road. I mean. That was, that was all Roy, though. You know that. Come on. Oh, God bless him. It's so great <laughs> to see him do well. I mean, it, it's no one would have thought. I mean, it's five goals, though. I mean, yeah. you know, that was a team that was really struggling to score. Uh, they just finally, you know, broke out of their funk. So, uh, yeah. it, look, it's, it's getting good on both sides of the table. I don't know how you guys feel about West Ham Arsenal, but I don't think that's just a walk in the park for Arsenal at all. I, I think that's going to be I a agree. game. Not going to totally agree, but I kind of agree. If yeah. if I were neutral, if you come uh, out one one, if, if I was a neutral, I would say I agree, but I'm not a neutral. So no, I, I, I think it's a scoring tie, and I don't think uh, I don't think it gets to three goals. I I just don't. I think this. I know it sounds crazy, but I I know I've I've, I've got it. I've gotten it wrong more than right in the last two weeks. But this is one that I'm willing to go out on a limb on. I think Arsenal is. Is you know if you really watch the way Liverpool took it to them, if you really watch that last 15, 20 minutes, the whole second half, I thought. No, but that that you you watched some guys that were gassed. You had some guys that lost a little bit of their their, their confidence at times. You know, I I think to be honest, I, mean, I blame Shocker for the whole damn deal. He starts the fight with Alexander Arnold, and and then all of a sudden the crowd was in it, and and it was a whole new ball game. He can't do that. This guy just got to keep his mouth shut and play the poke, game. Poke the bear. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they poked the bear big time, and 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 they got bit. So I don't know. West Ham. West Ham is in a fight, and historically speaking, Arsenal has struggled in that fixture. So it's it's another one to keep your eye on. Is that your favorite pick for the weekend, or do you have something? You go West Ham. Oof. West Ham. I, they are plus one. Or they're like four. I think they're five 50. to one. To win. Well, I'm not saying they're going to win. I'm saying it's going to be a yeah. tie. You know what I mean? Take them so on the spread, like, plus one, about you know, minus 110, minus 115. Yeah, but Leeds and Liverpool, I want to stay away from it. And I certainly want to stay away from West Ham and Arsenal in the sense that I, I don't want to predict a winner. Uh, the only one I'll go I'll go strong on is, is and, and people might disagree with me, but I think Everton's a winner. I think that's that's my game. I think Everton wins this game hands down, and they do not get scored on. Well, Michael is watching the Islanders tonight, try to clinch yeah. a playoff spot, but he would nod in approval of that prediction for yep. sure. <laughs> of for course. Sure. Of course not. That's fine. He's he's the ultimate pessimist. All right. Well, that will do it for uh, Eric's portion of the show this week. Thank you guys for tuning in. We will be back on Sunday night to preview the second legs of the Champions League. It'll be in your, in your uh, podcast inboxes on Monday morning. Not sure how much drama we're going to have next week, but hopefully uh, Napoli and make it a game maybe but otherwise thank you eric and thank you all for listening action network reminds you please gamble responsibly if you or someone you care about has a gambling problem help is available 24 7 at 1-800-GAMBLER